This week's parasha is Parashas Mishpatim. And when we get to Parashas Mishpatim, I think many of us have the feeling that the, uh, you know, the fun and games, so to speak, are over. The Avis, Maiseberatius, Yaisef, Yitzis Mitzrayim, all of these great events, all of these fascinating personalities are now at least temporarily halted, and now we have to roll up our sleeves and get involved in the nitty-gritty of halacha, in the, uh, the dinam of mazik, and the dinam of genevas, and the dinam of dalit shaymrim, dinam of avid ivri, and, and that could somehow sometimes be a little daunting and maybe disappointing for some. But truth be told, truth be told, there is a silver lining, even in the Mishpatim of the Torah, and that's what we're going to talk about today, how even in the Chukim and the Mishpatim of the Torah, there's so much beauty and there's so many positive lessons that emanate from all of these laws that are very Negea to us on a daily basis, besides for the actual Halacha, besides for the Cheshe Mishpat, but there's also going to be a lot of takeaway bin Adam Lachavera, bin Adam Laatzma. Rebellion Lapian brings in his Sefer that there's Rabbeinu Yaina and Pirkeyavis. The mission of Pirkeyavis that we're all familiar says that Im Ein Derech Eretz, Ein Taira. What does that mean? If there's no derecheretz, if there's no midos, if a person is not a mensch, so then there's no taira. I think we've all been uh, scolded by our principals, by our rabbeim, by our parents maybe, throughout the years with this maimer chazal, that you need midos first. It's very nice to learn, it's very nice to be a ben taira, it's very nice to be able to be in yeshiva, but it all starts, the foundation must be built on menschlichkeit, on midas taivis, on good manners. You have to be a normal, good, fine, well-adjusted human being, and then you could start learning Torah. If you don't have common uh, manners and midas and understand how to conduct your affairs in a normal, civilized manner, so then the Tyra is really not your biggest problem. You don't have to worry so much about Tyra. First work on your Midas. That's the understanding. What is the next step of the Mishnah? The main Tyra ain't Derech And if there's no Tyra, then there's no Derech How do you understand that? So Rabbi Yaina says a beautiful pshat. Rabbi Yaina says that there's the common definition of Derech Heretz, like I just described it, regular, normative midas that I guess the whole world knows about. And we've discussed it here many, many times. Basic, good midas that a person has to try to have in order not to be a, a Gadol Hadar, but just to be a regular, good mensch. You have to be able to be nice to people, and you have to say good morning to people, and you have to hold the door open for people, and you have to be able to uh, um, just do things that are menschlach, that are nice, that are kind, be a little bit. 
That's normal. Now there's another level. Now that we've been makabal the Torah on Har Sinai, it's not the same derech eretz anymore that we have to have before the Torah. Before the Torah, we have to have derech eretz like any other person that's walking the face of earth. If they have to be nice people, they have to be kind people, they have to be uh, civilized to their friends, to their relatives, to strangers. That's derech eretz. That's true for the entire world. Every person, whether you live in on any continent of the planet, you have to do that. Whether you're Jewish or whether you're Italian, or whether you're anything else, you have to be able to be a mensch, period. That's Derech Eretz. If you don't have those basic Midas Taivas, then forget about learning Taira. Taira, you know, it's not really what you need right now. First you have to fix your Midas Taivas, and then, and then you could start learning. But the next step is that once we're macabre on ourselves Taira, now we have Taira, now we got Taira from our Sinai, now we have, uh, we've been in Yeshiva, we're learning Taira. Now, there's another type of derech eretz that emanates from the taira that no human being on the planet would even venture to begin to believe that such a, a level, such a, a threshold of manners and of mannerisms and of, uh, of midas taivas and menschlichkeit is even humanly possible. And it only comes into existence because of the taira. So, emein derech eretz, ein taira rabbeinu says, that's the regular derech eretz. That's the derech eretz that you just have to be alive, have a pulse to be able to understand that this is something that I have to do. I have to be nice to people. But... Then there's another thing. After we receive the Torah, now the Torah heightens a Yid's level of menschlichkeit and what we're expected to do and what's expected of us. And that catapults us to a new level of Derech Eretz that was not really on the horizon uh, before the Torah was given, before we had our own personal Kabbalah Satira. And Rebbe Yolapian brings a raya or an example of this Rabbeinu Yaina from our parsha. What this means exactly, that now that the Torah is given, we're expected to have an unprecedented, an unparalleled form of Midas Taivas of Derech Eretz. And he says like this, what's the first parsha in the Torah, in this week's parsha, what's the first sugya that the parsha deals with? that you're buying an Evid Ivri. And he has to work for you for six years, and on the seventh year he goes free, and we speak about an Evid that's Nirzah, etc. But that's the first parsha of the Torah is dealing with an Evid Ivri. Now, there's a very, very fascinating element to the law's of an Adin, a Jewish master that owns this Jewish slave. And what the level that he has to treat this slave with. Now, this slave was either, he either sold himself because he, he had no money, or he was sold, um, he was, uh, he ganived something, and then and Bestin sold him. But whatever it is, this Eved was sold to a master. And this master now has obligations towards this Eved. You can't treat an Eved terribly, an Eved Ivor. You can't say, 
you know, you're going to sleep in the dungeon. I'm not going to feed you. Uh, you're going to work terrible long hours and uh, your life is going to be Ganem. That's not the way an evidivery works. In fact, in fact, Chazal tell us, you think you're buying yourself a nice Eved Ivri, like a, a person that could work for you, that's going to be beholden to you, and that's going to do your chores for you. But the MS is, if you would do a little bit more research before you buy an Eved Ivri, you would realize that you're not really buying an Eved Ivri. You're really buying yourself an Adin. You're buying yourself a master. Why are you buying yourself a master? Because there's a din as follows. The Pasuk says that the Eved has the option after his years of servitude are up, he could say, Ahafti es adaini es ishti es bana. I like, I like it here. It's nice here. Ki imach. It's good for you. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. You're, you're living together with your boss and you're having a nice time. And it's a good experience that you've had, and you want to stay longer. The Tyra doesn't like that. The Tyra wants you to go out. But there's a parsha of Nirzah, how you could stay if you would want. But the Pasuk says, Ki imach, because it's good for you, imach, with him, with the owner. You had a good time. You had a good, uh, good experience together. Says Chazal, what does that mean, Ki imach? Imach b'maychel, imach that whatever your boss is eating, if your boss is having a steak for dinner, he has to give you a steak. If he's having aged red wine, he has to give you red wine. If he's having a, um, pizza, he has to give you pizza. Whatever he's having, he can't just give you matzahs. He can't just give you, you know, stale bread. He's got to give you imach. You have to live side by side with him. Whatever he's having, you get. Now let's say there's only one steak in the fridge. Only one steak, and you're throwing the the master's about to throw it on the on the grill. He's hungry. He wants to have it. All of a sudden, he remembers that he's not allowed to have it because if he has it, if he eats the steak by himself, he's going to be in violation of He has to give whatever he's eating himself the same exact food to the to the slave. So what happens? It's on the steak. It's on the grill. The steak. He's got to take the steak off the grill when it's ready, and he's going to serve it to his evid, because that way you're covering all your bases. That way, it's imach. It's I mean, you know, you're not mamish eating it together, but at least I'm not violating kitayv imach. If let's say another example, let's say there's only um, if you have a, a bed and it's a very comfortable bed, you have to give the same exact type of bed to your to your servant. Let's say there's only one bed. Let's say you went on a trip together and you're staying in a hotel and there's just one single bed in the room and there's no other bed. Guess who gets to sleep on the bed? The slave gets to sleep on the bed. The Ebed Ivri gets, and you have to sleep on the floor because it's not, otherwise you're in violation. In other words, the Torah is expecting the impossible. Who in the world would ever do this? I want you to, I, I, I dare you to find a Gaisha master throughout the entire civilized or uncivilized world that would do this. That without the Torah, there would be such a concept of a derech eretz that I have to give as whatever I have, I have to give to the slave. And if there's only one, I have to give him the steak. I have to give him the mattress. That's a level of derech eretz that is un, 
imaginable, and it only was nishadish when the Torah was given. The Torah comes along, gives us this parasha of Evedivri, this week's parasha, and we're, we're like, we're yawning during the parasha of Evedivri. It's like, doesn't speak to me. I don't know what to take from this Evedivri. It's so antiquated, these laws. No, no, no. It's not antiquated. We're learning that the Torah has such great expectations of a Yid in terms of Midas, in terms of Derech Eretz, in terms of how we're supposed to treat one another, that not only are you supposed to treat your, your friend a certain way, your chavrusa a certain way, your rabbi a certain way, your parents a certain way, but even your slave you have to treat as an equal and even on a higher level than an equal in certain circumstances. This is an ein taira, ein This is Rebellion Lapian's example from this week's parsha. how you learn that there is a heightened expectation of a yid of derech eretz that is not the regular derech eretz, the algemeiner derech eretz of ein derech eretz, ein taira, that doesn't apply when it comes to a yid. That derech eretz, of course, you have to keep that regular derech eretz as the rest of the world has to keep it. But now that we're yidin, now that we got the taira, now it's a whole new level of derech eretz. It's a taira dika derech eretz, a derech eretz that the taira expects from, from Klal Yisrael. I saw an amazing story that I think really ties in very well to this Yisait. The Panevich Rav, Rav Kahneman, Zechitzadik Levracha, he of course started the famous Yeshiva Panevich in Bnei Brak. His whole community, he was a Rav before the war in a city called Panevich and his yeshiva was liquidated by the Nazis, Yimach Shemam, and his community, and his Beis Yaakovs, and everything. And he was somehow able to escape with his son to Eretz Yisrael, and he rebuilt, he replanted Tyre and Eretz Yisrael, and because of him, the Tyre world is very, very different. There's a Tyre world in Eretz Yisrael and beyond, because many of the great Rosh Yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael learned in Panovich, which was his yeshiva, and he hired the greatest Rosh Yeshivas, Rav Shmuel Rizovsky and Rav Shach and Rav David Pravarsky, and he had the greatest Mashkichim, Rav Chatzko Levenstein, Rav Dessler. He spared no expense in creating the, pre- the premier Makam Taira in Eretz Yisrael and arguably in the world, uh, B'Shaitai. Now, after the war was over, there were a lot of refugee children that came from the Holocaust, also the Alde Tehran, the children that were in Iran that, that came to Territ uh, Israel, and he was trying to uh, basically place them in, yesh- in his yeshiva. The problem was that he had no beds, he had no room, he had no mattresses, so he rented some other quarters to house these, these refugees. But again, he had no money, money was extremely tight, and he had to find mattresses that they could sleep on. He had to find pillows and blankets. And he didn't know what to do. So what he did was he went into a, a local base medrash in Bnei Brak, a large base medrash, a large shul, and he gave the following drasha. Listen to what he said. He says, Rabbi Isai, I have a stira. I have a stira between two psukim. The pasuk in this week's parasha, Mishpatim says, Ki imach. And we just darshan before, Imach b'meichel, imach b'mishta. Imach means that you have to be selfless. You have to give up 
of your own bed, your own stake. You have to give the, the Eved on the same level, if not on a higher level, than you have yourself. So imach is a word that seems to be saying that you have to be selfless. There's another word, imach, in the Torah that seems to have the opposite connotation, and that is, there's a Pasuk that says, imach. Your brother has to live imach with you. The Gemara on that word, darshins, that if let's say you and somebody else are walking in a desert, and you have a canteen with water in it, but it's not enough water to keep both of you alive, and there's no access to any civilization, one of you has to drink the water to, to survive. Now, what do you do with it? Do you drink it yourself, or do you give it over to your friend to drink? V'cheyachicha imach means that chayecha kaidman we darshan. It's your life. You drink the canteen water yourself, and your friend Nebuch has to die, but you have first dibs on that water. It's your water. So, frakt upon a mitcherav, I don't understand. Is imach a selfless word, or is it a selfish word? Is imach connoting that, it's, that you have to take for yourself, that you're first? Or is it that you have to give him first? Which way are we going here? So listen to the way the Panavich Rav explains. He says, who's this Ganif that was sold as an Evid Ivri? He's a person, he's not a Boy Scout, right? This is a, a person that committed a crime. He stole something, and because of that, he was sold as an Evid Ivri. That's one case of Evid Ivri. Let me ask you a question. If let's say uh, you're looking for a cleaning lady in your house, and you ask for references, and she gives you a reference, and you call up the number, it was the, her old boss, her old balabuster, and she, uh, she said, what can you tell me about this lady? She says, let me tell you something, I have no jewelry left. She cleaned me out, every, she kept on, every time she came, she would, I would find something else missing by the time she left. Sometimes it was uh, a snood, and sometimes it was a bracelet, and sometimes it was cash. Every time, I, she, she's a ganif. Would anyone in their right mind take such a person into... The, okay, fine, you're hired, perfect. Who would take such a person into their house? The cleaning lady, you have to be insane. Isn't that really what you're doing by taking an Evid Ivri who was sold into your house? I mean, who are we talking about over here? It's a guy you stole, and he's the one that you bring in. You really want a Ganav? It's bad enough you're worried about Ganavim breaking into your house, but do you want a Ganav invited into your house, give him the key to your house and, and be able to just roam freely throughout, your, throughout the rooms of your, of your abode? It doesn't make any sense. Says the Panavich Rav, this is not Stama, crazy Ganav. It's not a crazy Ganav. Nobody would hire a real Ganav, a real bandit to bring, and bring him into your house. That's not normal. What type of Ganav is it? It's a Ganav that he's a good guy. He's an Ishyasher, He's fine, he has a family, he has a wife, he has children, he has parents, and he's just down on his luck. He has no, you know, in America we're very used to having like a safety net. Like if you don't, if you, if you don't work, you get unemployment, you get welfare, you get uh, social security. There's a lot of different layers of, to catch a person that Rahman al-Islam is not able to pay his bills. But in the olden days, they didn't have that. You either were able to work and make money. If you didn't have a job, you had no money. You had no food. You had, there was no 
Section 8, there was no wick, there was no uh, benefits, there was no food stamps. It didn't, you didn't have that. So imagine the scene that uh, there was a person, a Yid, and he's sitting at the dining room table waiting for supper. His wife says, sweetheart, we have no, you're, you're unemployed. We have no food. We have no, nothing to eat. The kids are hungry. Every single night we're going to bed without food. The cupboards are bare. Can you do something? But the less Breira, this guy has no choice. And so he, ha- he has to feed his family. And so he justifies, and we should never be put into, into such an Isayan, but he justifies going into, a, into somebody else's house and taking some food, going into a store and, and, and shoplifting. Again, is it justified? Absolutely not. But he justifies it. So such a person, it's not a terrible criminal, it's just... He had to do it. It was a stopgap measure that he had to take some. But he was busted. And now he needs to be able to still support his family. He has no money to pay back for the Geneva that he stole. And basically, Bestin arranges with a fine, upstanding balabayas that they were able to find that give him a job, let him work for you as an evidivri. He'll keep some money. He'll send some to his wife and his children. Everybody will be okay then. And so finds so the, the Odin is a good-hearted person. He's going to take such a person in because the Evid itself, himself has so many tsaris and he understands that it's not really him. It was uh, an extenuating circumstance and he, he cuts him extra slack. The Odin understands, says the Panamitrov, that this Evid has so many daigas, he has so many tsars, he's worried about his family, how he's going to feed them, how they're going to, who's going to do homework with them now that I'm an Evid Ivri, how am I going to you know, provide for them and, and, and pay for their schar limud, and he has so many daigas on his head. The, the Odin, knowing that the Evid can't sleep, will make, he's a good, a good guy himself, he's a good person, the Odin, he's not going to be able to sleep knowing that the Odin is so upset. The Odin is not able to sleep because besides for all of his daigas, he has, he has no mattress to sleep and he's sleeping on the floor, which doesn't make matters. So in order for, to, to create an environment that both of them are somewhat able to sleep, the Odin says, you know what, you sleep on my mattress. You eat the steak because I could live with myself if you're able to sleep, but I can't sleep if you're not sleeping. So neither of us are going to sleep. So the Odin gives him the mattress. The Odin gives him the good food because that way the Balabais is going to be able to sleep as well as hopefully the Evid. Says the Panovich Rav, I have this problem on my hand in Panovich. I have dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of refugee children that are Yisaimim and they need a place to sleep. And now I'm telling you about it. You're not going to be able to sleep tonight because you know about it. And they're not going to be able to sleep tonight because they have no place to sleep. They have no, nothing to sleep on. So he says, let me give you an Eitzah, guys. You give up your mattresses and your blankets in the meantime so that they could sleep, and that way you'll be able to sleep also. So all, your, all the bases will be covered. And sure enough, by the end of the day, all the Balabatim and the Shul brought their mattresses and their pillowcases and their sheets in, to the dorms in Panovich, and the children then, the boys were able to sleep. But this is the level of expectation of Derech Eretz that the Torah is imposing upon a Yid that we have to be able to up our game 
of Derech Eretz. It's not enough just to say, well, I'm, I'm well-mannered like a guy is well-mannered. You have to be beyond that. That's not acceptable. Rav Schwab has a great word. He says, the Pasuk says, And you, Kla Yisrael, will tread upon their bummus, upon their highest places. Meaning, you're going to trounce the Gayim when, when there's Mohammed, etc. Says Rav Schwab, I'll tell you what the pshad, another Pshat in the Pasuk. A Yid's journey doesn't end where a guy's journey ends in terms of midas, in terms of manners. It only starts there. Meaning, you give me the, the best-mannered guy, I'm not going to compare myself Shava B'Shav and say, okay, fine, if it was good enough for, uh, for this person who's such a wonderful, kind-hearted person, that's good enough for me also. No, that's where your journey begins. You find the highest mountain of a guy. You find the guy that's the most well-mannered, and there are many guys that are wonderful people. You see in yeshiva, the, many of the, the custodians in the yeshiva can't find nicer people, always fine, always saying good morning nicely. They're very nice people. Okay, so I should just... No, 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 that's where it starts. That's where, you're, that's where the bar begins for you. Your journey begins now from the highest, the best guy that you could find. That's where your journey begins. Tell you a story. Reb Tzvi Hirsch Breido was the the uh, the Rebbe of Dessler from Kelm, and he had a uh, his wife hired a cleaning lady, and and he found that this cleaning lady, who was an an orphan, she was stealing stuff from the house, and basically the. Um, his, his Rebetzin was like scolding her and making her feel horrible. So the Reb Tzvi Hirsch Brody, this great tzaddik, says to his wife, you're not allowed to cause her harm. You're not, you can't do this to her. She's a Yisayma, a Jewish orphan girl, and you have to be very nice to her. You're not allowed to oppress the, the widow and the orphan. This week's parasha. So she said, but she's still, yeah, I said, but she's an orphan. You have to be nice to her. If you have a tain on her, if you feel like you could prove that she stole and make your case, you're entitled to go to a dentire with her. But to just, you know, treat her like horribly and make her and keep turning the screws on her and make her feel like, you know, like subhuman, that's not acceptable. So she says, okay, I'll take her to a dentire. So they arrange that the next day they're all, that, you know, the, the two of them are going to duke it out in a dentire. And along as they're walking to the best in, is, is also coming to the best in. So his wife says, why are you taking off from yeshiva? What do you, what do you, what do you, you're not a mechutin here, like, it's just between me and her, we're going to go to the local rab, we're going to deal with it, why do you have to come? So he says, I'm coming because she's the Yisayma, and she has no one in this world to defend her. You have a, you know, everybody knows you're my wife, so everyone's machsh of you. She's a poor orphan girl. No one's going to be able to defend. I'm coming to best and to be her tying. I'm going to be tying her case against you. I wouldn't try this at home um, when the day comes, but Ritzia Shbreda apparently, you know, had the guts and the, and the tenacity to do this. And I'm sure that the story ended, I don't know how, but... I'm sure the, the entire you know, story just, uh, you know, the, the whole case just fell apart right then and there, and they, didn't, they just aborted that, that mission, and, and they, I assume they lived happily ever after. 
but um, but we see from here the uber sensitivity that a yid has to have. It's not a normal derech It's not a normal. This whole parsha of Ebed Ivri and avdos and, and and people working for you and people that are uh, that you pay and 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 you feel like you know you have certain ownership rights and you have certain ability to abuse and to, she's working under you so you can you can push and, and, and insist and, and and be in a in a, a position of of applying pressure on her. That's not the Tyra's definition of. Of of menschlichkeit of derechar, it's a main taira and derechar. Once we got a taira, there's a whole new world of midas that a yid has to abide by and has to think about before they do anything. I just want to end with a beautiful vart that I saw from the Argadal Yo B'shem Reb David of Kotsk, one of the the Kotsker dynasty. That David HaMelech writes in Tehillim, we say it every day in Pesukah Zimra. Le'asa, it says, Magid Devar of Le'akiv, Chukav Mishpatim Le'Yisrael. Hakadosh Baruch Hu told over Parshas Mishpatim. This week's Parsha, he told over the Chukim and Mishpatim to Klai Yisrael. What he expects? Le'asa Chein Lechal Gai. He didn't do this to any other nation. Umishpatim Bal Yedom, and our Mishpatim. They have no idea about our Mishpatim. They have no Shaykes to our Mishpatim. They might have some, you know, jurisprudence that maybe comes from halacha in certain states, but it, it basically is very diluted. It's not the same. Our laws and their laws are nothing to do with each other. The guy has no idea about our mishpatim. They don't know about our mishpatim. Haluluka. We end with haluluka. That's how the the capital ends as to many of the capital at the end of Tillam that we say every morning says Reb David Mikotsk that the difference between our Mishpatim and a guy's Mishpatim is that our Mishpatim it's possible to have Hallel emanate from our Mishpatim we just sang Hallel today we had Zresh uh, Chaydesh Adar Aleph, we had Hallel. A guy's mishpatim. Do you think anyone ever sings Hallel from a guy's mishpatim? Has there ever been a guy that went to law school and learns about tort law and, uh, and, and family law and malpractice law and whatever all types of laws that, that you can do as a lawyer? Anyone happy about it? Everyone's going through it. They have to. They want to become lawyers. They have to pass the bar. They have to take their tests for Hulei. No one's like rejoicing over the laws. Like there's nothing to rejoice. They're just stale. You have to memorize it. You have to understand it. You have to be lo- have the logic. Whatever you need to do in order to get through the LSATs and law school. And no one's singing like praises about the law that I know of. When it comes to Klal Yisrael, Magid Devar Yaakov, Chukum Yisrael, Hallelujah. There is a hallel. There is a beautiful praise of Akedush Baruch Hu that that if you listen carefully in Parshas Mishpatim, if you're Maver Sadr and you learn all of that, we just gave one example of Eved Ivri, that's where it starts. But if you go through all of the Parshas of Tyro, whether it's uh, why you pay uh, Dalad Vehei, Shar and Seh, and one, because the Tyra is more chas on a person that had to go through embarrassment, so the Tyra had mercy on the person that had to schlep the Seh, so he only pays uh, Dalad and the Shar pays, hey, it's more Balabatish to schlep a Shar than a Seh, all of these dinim that you see the Torah cares about a ganav, 
cares about an Eved Ivri, cares about a, a person that you don't even think about, that they deserve as much respect as a regular Yid. It's not true. The Torah is telling you they deserve equal, if not more, respect. You have to understand what they're going through. You have to commiserate with their plight, understand, stay up at night worrying about your Eved Ivri. What's he going through? What's his family going through? And this is true for all. Kol Yasem Alman Sanan, caring about the widow, caring about the orphan. Dibra Kasla Bahaiva Rashi says. It really applies to everybody. You can't torment anybody. There are so many halachas. These are all halaldika halachas. These are halachas that you can, you, we should be able to sing and dance that we have such mishpatim. It shows how beautiful the Taira is, how caring a yid is supposed to be. The Atabah may say my Sidrech that we're supposed to look at a guy, respect Gayim, but understand that the greatest Gayim, it just, that's where my journey begins. Like sometimes I think, you know, some people, they, they you know, can my child watch this movie or not? It's a certain movie, Mutter for my child. Oh, you look what it's rated. If it's rated G, if it's rated uh, PG, PG 13, this and that, who's passing these Shilas? Who's. Who, who says that it's, is this Tayyaman HaShemai, is this Halachal Mesh Misinai, that this is, this is P, PG, this is PG-13, this is, who's, some, some Prasta guy that, you know, or committee of Gayim that have no Shaykhahs to any morality, so they think this is fine. Oh, so they think it's fine, so therefore that's where my, I, I, I have to shtaltsu to them, and, and they're, they're my Paisag Achrin. You have to say, okay, it's very nice that they think that this is PG-13. That's where my journey begins. If they think this is kosher, then that's where I'll maybe begin my, my hashkoch and my house. If they think it's okay, that's not okay for my child. I'm going to like go on a much higher level. It's fine to have, we can respect Gayim, but Gayim are not, it's not quiet. They don't have a taira. They don't have this moral conscience, this, this moral compass that a yid is supposed to have. We're Klai Yisrael, the Mishpatim of Klai Yisrael is supposed to be Halaluka, it's supposed to give Halaluk if you understand. We're fortunate to have these Halachas because they keep us on the straight and narrow path that we don't become barbarians, that we don't mistreat people and torment people, even people that we think we're entitled to because they're our slaves, quote-unquote, and, and they're working for us. And they're, that doesn't entitle a person to treat and mistreat and abuse anybody person has to look to everybody with respect, even hardened criminals, even people that you feel uh, are, are not worthy of your respect. It's not, that's not what the Torah looks at it like. The Torah sees every human being as being important, precious, relevant, valid. The mishpatim that the Gayim have no concept about. They can't fathom these laws. They don't never, this isn't law school, to be able to treat people on the level that Klai Yisrael is expected. It's a new level of Derecher. It's a new level of law. It's a Mishpatim that's a Haluka level of, of Mishpat. And we're fortunate to be able to have such laws and to be able to keep us human and, and Menshlach on a level that's unsurpassed on every level. You know, the Gayim, they, they're you know, they, they, they're pointing fingers at Klai Yisrael today. They're, they're taking us to international courts. For, it's, it's Mamash Chelm. It's unbelievable. There's no army 
in the world that's as careful as the Israeli army to protect civilian life and to try to get humanitarian aid in and trying to do everything. It's, obviously, it's war. War is not pretty and war has a lot of collateral damage, but there was no choice. And so Goyim love pointing, ah, so Yidin are not so moral. It's obviously, it's all, it's a chucha, it's lula, it's just a joke. Klai Yisrael is, is Yidin are, are so precious. You see the chayalim, you know, how, how holy they are. And the ones that were nifter al-Kiddush Hashem, like every one of them has such a hadras panim, like you look at them like, unbelievable, these people are tzaddikim, you see the shine on their faces and the, 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 the light in their eyes and the smile. They're holy, they're holy people. These are not, the Gayim loved us, ah, Jews are, are, are just like us. They know that we're not. They know that, and it bothers them that we're, we're living on a higher level. They're trying to pull us down. They're trying to make us like equal, if not lower than us, because they don't like the fact there's a kinah that came from Sinai. That Sinai is from Shiyar the Sinai. When we got this Torah, the world realizes that we're the conscience of the world. We're, we are the, the Arlagayim. But it's important forgetting about what the world thinks. We have to understand that we live on a higher plane, that our our is different, our laws are different, our, our anhagas have to be different, our midas have to be different. And even if it passes in society to get away with certain things, it's not for a yid. A yid always has to try to up the game and to live on a much higher plane. And Mitzvah Hashem, we will. These are the parashists that will teach us this. And the Mitzvah Hashem, we should have a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos.